0: she came proudly forward to the fire and stood there superbly while she loosened her cloak. Nor did she see me at all at first, but nodded, a little disdainfully it seemed, to Mrs. Montresor and my aunts, who were grouped about the drawing-room door, very ladylike and quiet. But I neither saw nor heard aught at the time, save her only, for her beauty when she came forth from her crimson cloak and hood, was something so wonderful that I forgot my manners, and stared at her as one fascinated, as indeed I was, for never had I seen such loveliness, and hardly dreamed it. Pretty women I had seen in plenty, for my aunts and my mother were counted fair, but my uncle's wife was as little like to them as a sunset glow to pale moonshine, or a crimson rose to white day lilies. Nor can I paint her to you in words as I saw her then with the long tongues of firelight licking her white neck and wavering over the rich masses of her red-gold hair. She was tall, so tall that my aunts looked but insignificant beside her, and they were of no mean height, as became their race. Yet no queen could have carried herself more royally, and all the passion and fire of her foreign nature burned in her splendid eyes that might have been dark or light for aught that I could ever tell but which seemed always like pools of warm flame, now tender, now fierce. Her skin was like a delicate white rose leaf. And when she spoke, I told my foolish self that never had I heard music before. Nor do I ever again think to hear a voice so sweet, so liquid, as that which rippled over her ripe lips. I had often in my own mind pictured this, my first meeting with Alicia. Now in one way, now in another but never had I dreamed of her speaking to me at all, so that it came to me as a great surprise when she turned, and holding out her lovely hands, said very graciously, And is this the little Beatrice? I have heard much of you. Come kiss me, child. And I went, despite my Aunt Elizabeth's black frown, for the glamour of her loveliness was upon me, and I no longer wondered that my Uncle Hugh should have loved her. Very proud of her was he, too, yet I felt rather than saw, for I was sensitive and quick of perception, as old young children ever are, that there was something other than pride and love in his face when he looked on her, and more in his manner than the fond lover, as it were, a sort of lurking mistrust. Nor could I think, though to me the thought seemed as treason, that she loved her husband overmuch, for she seemed half condescending and half disdainful to him. Yet one thought not of this in her presence, but only remembered it when she had gone. When she went out, it seemed to me that nothing was left, so I crept lonesomely away to the wing hall and sat down by a window to dream of her, and she filled my thoughts so fully that it was no surprise when I raised my eyes and saw her coming down the hall alone, her bright head shining against the dark old walls. When she paused by me, and asked me lightly of what I was dreaming, since I had such a sober face. I answered her truly, that it was of her, whereat she laughed, as one not ill-pleased, and said half-mockingly, Waste not your thoughts so little, Beatrice, but come with me, child, if you will, for I have taken a strange fancy to your solemn eyes. Perchance the warmth of your young life may thaw out the ice that has frozen around my heart ever since I came among these cold Montresors." and though I understood not her meaning, I went, glad to see the red room once more. So she made me sit down and talk to her, which I did, for shyness was no failing of mine, and she asked me many questions, and some that I thought she should not have asked, but I could not answer them, so twere little harm. After that, I spent a part of every day with her in the red room, and my Uncle Hugh was there often, and he would kiss her and praise her loveliness, not heeding my presence, for I was but a child. Yet it ever seemed to me that she endured rather than welcomed his caresses, and at times the ever-burning flame in her eyes glowed so luridly that a chill dread would creep over me, and I would remember what my Aunt Elizabeth had said, she being a bitter-tongued woman, though kind at heart, that this strange creature would bring on us all some evil fortune yet.